Good morning, First Presbyterian Church family, friends, wherever you are in Tampa or some other part of the world. Here we are, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, August 15, and you'll notice that we're not in the church in Zach Street downtown. We're in the home of Fitz and Kathy Connor. It's a construction site. You can see that behind us. Kathy and I are living in these challenging conditions of redoing things in our home. And we decided that because our sermon series is built, building a life that stands the test of time, this construction zone would be a great way to sort of do what we're doing this morning. We decided on Friday about noon, Fred having hugged the coast and consistent with the NOAA uh, forecast, we decided that right about now would have been the worst weather of the whole thing. So we decided to do online only, and only three people were involved this morning in making this happen. No volunteers needed to do it at that time, drive through any bad weather, et cetera, et cetera. So here we are in our home having a good time. I want you to do something for me right now. I want everybody to do this. In just a second, Kathy's going to pray, and she's going to pray for things that are going on in the lives of people, et cetera. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to go right now, and I want you to get something to write on. And I want you to get something to write with, and I want you to get a second device, maybe, or in fact, a copy of the Bible. And I want you to go and get that now, because we're going to use all of this stuff and what we're going to do in a few minutes. Now, one other thing, men, you have to go get your own. This is not osmosis. Your wife can't do this for you. So if there's a man and a woman sitting together, that means two pads, two pens, two new devices, or two hard Bibles, because everybody can, has to do their own work. That's the way it wrote. So we're going to have a great time for these few minutes thinking about what it means to be followers of Jesus together, and Kathy's going to come now and pray for us. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, um, so many of us uh, have not only just averted a storm, but in light of that, there are storms going on in our own lives, in our own hearts. So help us right now to settle in and take a deep, deep breath. A God-given breath, Lord, from you. Because we're aware, Father, that even though this storm, Fred, didn't come our way, there are other storms that have and will. And Lord, we know that we are fully dependent on you and this morning as we sit down to hear from you i'm asking with all my heart that you would speak boldly into hearts and lives that you would restore and renew and remake us in this moment this morning simply because we've brought ourselves before you lord we want our lives built on what you have to say about who we are and what we do and our purposes in this world. Lord, we want to know what you have to say when we're facing storms and onsaults that feel difficult and overwhelming, when it feels like the water is rising, when it feels like the winds are blowing and we're being tossed all over the place with anxiety, getting hit with stress, hit with unforeseen events, Father. Lord, help us now to draw near to you because we know you're as near as our breath. And even as we do so, we lay before you those things that feel like they are rocking our foundation, shaking the very things that we've built our lives on, Lord. 
in silent prayer. We bring them to you. We lay them before you in trust because you are the one that builds and renews. Lord Jesus, we also pray for friends that we know and love who need your grace for healing, healing of hurts, healing of bodies. Lord, we pray for Jim Ryan, who's in the hospital now with COVID-related pneumonia, but we thank you that the medicine is working and that he's confident in that. This is Catherine's father, and we just thank you, Lord, that this family knows you and is trusting you with Jim. We continue to pray for Lloris Garcia, having had a mysterious reaction, Lord, to the COVID shots, we ask that you would heal her body and restore her in every way. We pray for men in our church, these men specifically who are battling cancer, Lord, Jamie Atkinson, Hank Floyd, Jerry Denny, and Jim Canali. We pray, Lord, that you would, from the top of their head to the tip of their toes, restore everything in their bodies, and Lord, that you would encourage them and that you would fill them with a great trust in you. Lord, we pray for Connie Spencer's family, for Baxter Smith and his family in the loss of Susan Smith's sister, Connie. We ask, oh God, that you would wrap your arms around this family who has gone through a great deal of loss this year and just love them through with your grace with your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the birth of Mary and Chris Boland's baby boy, Grayson. We thank you that in the midst of our lives with things that feel out of control, you show up and do this so that we can also celebrate and rejoice and give thanks in all of it because we are and all of us are in your loving care, no matter what is going on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. A couple of quick things to make sure everybody knows what's going on in our world. The first thing is this. Next Sunday, immediately after our worship service, for a seven-minute meeting, we're having a seven-minute meeting to elect the committee that's going to bring to you, the congregation, a slate of nominees to be the elders for the class of 2024. 2024. So saying that again, we're going to meet and we're going to elect three people to be on a committee and that committee's job will be to bring to you later this fall and a slate of elders to be elected by you for the class of 2024. The Greek word presbuteros means elder and by elder we mean someone who leads or rules. It's like a city council. That's what this group is. We call it the session and you the congregation elect the members of the session. So again, next Sunday, I promise you, it's a seven-minute meeting. It's the only business will come with a slate to be elected to be the committee that's going to search our congregation for the right people, and then you will vote on that, that later on this fall. So thank you, and that's happening again next Sunday at 11.05, and we'll be over by 11.12. Thank you. Thank you, Fitz. I have some fun news to remind us of that Sunday, September 12th is going to be this incredible celebration at First Press. We are going to celebrate everything that God has done in and through the church in its history and specifically at 412 East Zach Street. But we are also going to celebrate where God is moving us into his future for us, his purposes 
for us. It's going to be a big morning with food and slides and so much to enjoy. So we want you to mark your calendars. Again, Sunday, September 12th. So you may be wondering, well, what happens after that Sunday? Because that will indeed be our last Sunday in the actual building in downtown Tampa. Well, God continues to amaze us with signs and wonders. He has so faithfully answered our prayers since two years ago, he started us on this very Abrahamic journey of not knowing where we are going. So we've been wondering, what about an interim home to worship? Well, our interim interim for about a month or so will be held at Wright's Gourmet. And the owner, Jeff Mount, graciously is sharing his space with us as a gift to us because he said God has given him so much. He can't wait to share it with us so that we can continue worship seamlessly. And then after that, we'll be able to worship in our newly renovated space while we construct the rest of the site on Horatio Street. It's going to be very unique, very special, and very celebrative. You're not going to want to miss this time on the 12th of September, followed by a little over a month or so at Wright's Gourmet. You may be thinking about generosity, and I wondered this morning, you know, what happens when you and I are generous with everything that God has given to us? You know what happens? When we are generous with everything that God has given to us, God promises that he will refresh lives. He will restore and renew hearts and souls with the love of Jesus. And he says in Proverbs 11, whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. Well, because of the generosity of some people in our church, I am able to take 20 young adult men and women in their 20s and 30s to New Hampshire in two weeks for a weekend where each of them will be able to go deeper in their relationship with Jesus and deeper in their relationship with each other. All they had to do was buy their plane ticket and the rest of the weekend is fully paid for. They will indeed be refreshed. I'm confident of that, but I'm equally as confident that God is going to refresh all of you who made this possible because he promised. If you would like to give this morning, all you have to do is go to the website and you will find five ways to give back to God. And I can't thank you enough. Lives are changing because of your generosity. Amen. Here we are. Now this is when I want to make sure you have a hard copy of the Bible or you have a second device so you can go to your Bible that you, you access through an app or a website. And what we're doing here is enjoying this construction site. Notice we have here some elements from last Sunday as McLean talked about these five things, but you just see our home and it's, it's a construction site. We're building a home that will last. And I mean that literally this house, but also we're talking about as a church family, how do we build a life, a home that stands the test of time? And that's this great idea that we're gonna work with again today. I wanna start by just mentioning a construction project. Let's move from two by fours to rebar. Do you know what rebar is? Rebar is the steel 
It's inside, for instance, the slab underneath the wood that's below my feet. So what happens is rebar is the stuff that's put inside the frame and then concrete is poured on top of it. What you may have noticed in houses be being built today by block, and there's one right down the next block that I watched go up, they built the first floor of the concrete block, and then I noticed they knocked holes in about every third column down at the bottom of the thing, and then they put rebar in it, and then I watched a crane come and lift concrete up and pour it down that rebar-filled hole, filling it all the way up from the top bottom to the top with concrete, and then they inspect it later and making sure that the thing filled up and they make sure there are no air pockets in the concrete, etc. In other words, in order to build a house today and meet code, you have to pour concrete down every third or fourth slot and you have rebar in it. And why? Because it means that the house will stand the test of time. We're in the, we're, the storm that didn't come. And years ago, two or three years ago, we all left, not sure we'd even come back to our houses. This is what these code requirements now guarantee, that the house will stand. So we're thinking about what is it that we build into our life so that our life can stand the test of time. And that's what we want to do. And what we're going to say today is that the central, most important thing, the singular thing, that if nothing else you do, the nothing else that I do, the thing we must do in order to build a life that stands the test of time is we must immerse ourselves in God's Word. We must live it and breathe it and inwardly digest it and study it and meditate on it and learn it and read it and learn it and read it and meditate on it and over and over and over again. We just immerse ourselves in it. Now, and we don't do it alone. We must do it individually, but we also do it with the family. This is a team thing, a family thing, this business of following Jesus. So today, that's what I want to talk about. How can we immerse ourselves in God's Word in such a way to have God's Word, the Bible, instruct us in all these important areas of life? And just referencing behind me five things that we've been saying are a part of the framework or the blueprint of our lives. These are two by fours, but they could easily be five different pieces of rebar. And what do we have here? You can see them. We have thoughts, money, time, habits, and relationships. And what we're saying is that in order to build a life that stands the test of time, these components of our lives must be saturated, informed, grown by, taught, corrected, instructed by God. And we do that by doing God's Word individually and together in, in life groups and Sunday worship, etc. And we allow God to speak to us. And so I wanted to read a text for you, and I'm picking up a hard copy of the Bible. I usually use digital Bibles, but this is the great Apostle Paul. You know I love to brag about Paul. And I want you, by the way, to be writing this stuff down. I want you to write down this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Write it down, because you're gonna, I'm going to ask you to write it down. I'm going to talk about it, just, and then you're going to make sure you have the notes so you can look at it for yourself later. I'm reading from English, but I want you to see this. This is my Greek Bible that I carry around with me all the time, because, you know, I fell in love with the Greek language of the New Testament back in 1979, and I've been in love with it ever since. But here it is in English. I'm reading from the New International Version, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, 
for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God and the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed. I wanted you to see that word. God-breathed. See the first three letters over here, Theta, Epsilon, Omicron, that's the word for God, and the rest of it is a word for breathing or breath. It's the same breathing and breath that God reached down in Genesis chapter 2, and he knelt and put his hands in the dirt and formed the man and the woman, the human beings, and breathed life into them. And that's what we have in this book. It's life-filled words. It's God speaking to us. This is not just anybody's word. Yes, it's human authors, but it's God's word using human words. God inspired or breathed into the minds and souls and hearts of the people whose words we have written down here. And what we're saying is the five two-by-fours or the five pieces of rebar, the way they get formed and shaped and instructed and corrected and built and grown is from saturating all these parts of our lives with this. That's what we're saying we do. So you and I want to be people who are saturated. Oh, no, by the way, I wanted to point to my pulpit. Adam is going to show it to you. See, we're in a construction zone. This is a box with a fan in it. And soon this fan will get installed somewhere. I don't even know where it's going to go. It doesn't really matter. But look at me. I'm working from a fan. And why wouldn't I? So back to thoughts, habits, money, time, relationships. We breathe through this, and those things start to change. It's not us doing the heavy lifting. We must give great effort, yes. And that's going to be the challenge this morning. You are going to be challenged. I'm going to challenge you. I'm speaking on behalf of the best I know about who Jesus is to challenge all of us to give great effort to immerse ourselves in this book. And then the way that God shapes our thoughts, our time, our money, our relationships, our habits, we'll see a difference. You and I will see a difference. But we must give great effort. That's our part. Other friends' part is to coach us and to hold us accountable and to encourage us, etc. But God does a heavy lifting. God's Spirit breathes life into us as we encounter Him in these words, the same way He gave us the original breath of life, and the same way He inspired these writers and then preserved these words in our, our Bible. Jesus says in his way the same thing. Here is Paul, the great apostle. All scripture is God-breathed. And then therefore it's necessary and capable of giving us what we need to correct error and to be trained in a way of living correctly. And notice verse 17, the second half of it, the second half of the verse is, so that we can be fully equipped and prepared to go and do the good that God wants us to do. That's why we do this, so we can be transformed into Jesus' followers who do the good work that God has entrusted us to do. And Jesus says in his way a similar thing. This is Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And I want you to write that down. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And this is the end of what you may have heard of called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. And he's given three chapters of all this great stuff, God-breathed stuff, inspired stuff, really helpful stuff to know how to live and to do God's good work that God has given us to do. God made us his agents, his emissaries, 
We are his image bearers and we are given responsibility as his stewards, as his managers for the things that are in our lives. And God wants us to go and do them, do them well. And here's what, after all of this teaching, Jesus finishes up this way. Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, but it didn't today, did it? And the streams rose and the winds blew, but not from Fred this time, and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is using a first century metaphor about building a house. We're using a 21st. We're talking about rebar. We're talking about two by fours. And what Jesus is saying is you must pour concrete over the top of the rebar of scripture in order to have a house that can stand the test of time, a life that can stand the test of time, a family that can stand the test of time, a church family that can stand the test of time. We immerse ourselves in God by listening to what God has to say. That's what we do. And so God will then shape our thoughts and our money and our time and our habits and our relationships in the way that God wants us to use them. So, because see, that's the good work, us using those five elements in a way that God wants us to use them. Now, notice Jesus says this, those who hear these words of mine but do not put them into practice. I'm thinking, well, if they aren't using Jesus' words, what are they putting into practice? Because put, all of us put something at Command Central. All of us have something that's pulling the trigger on decisions. All of us. We can't not. We make decisions every day. We have things that guide us in how we decide what we're going to do. So I thought I'd just drop down a little bit further into this concept of thoughts. And I thought, if, if I'm not allowing my mind and my thoughts to be made over again brand new by the, the words that I get from God that are God-breathed, God-inspired, well, what then am I using to guide my thinking about things? Because all of us think about things. And I'm going to give you what I think is really a kind of a clear and simple answer. I'm going to say, if I am not engaging in help, having scripture and God speak to me through scripture, then what am I using as the sort of the baseline, the command central? And this, the simple answer is self. That's what's going on. There's this subtle but pervasive uh, troubling part of the way we look at the world today. It's widespread in our culture. And it's this, I call it the autonomous sovereign self. And you could take autonomous out and just call it sovereign self, or you could take sovereign out and just call it the autonomous self. But what, what we do, whether we know it or not, is we've decided that self is at command central. And here's the one of the ways it gets communicated in our culture. It gets communicated this way. I can do ever, whatever I want to do or feel like doing as long as I hurt nobody. That's an idea that's just a part of how our culture thinks about things. But friends, I want to suggest to you that, that that's not, it can't be. That's just not reality. That's not biblical reality. In fact, I would suggest to you that that's functional atheism. The self, as an autonomous decision maker, 
leaving God out. Well, that's effectively saying, well, I'm going to live my life on the basis of what I feel like I want to do and what I decide to do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And of course, nobody wants to be hurting people. But that's not how God built us. That's not how God designed us. There are at least two problems with it. One of them is that you have and I have when we make decisions that way, we've isolated ourselves. That's the problem with autonomous self. And God didn't make us that way. We're, we're members of a family. We're part of a team. We do life together. We are a body. And we need the pinky and we need the brain and we need the earlobe. We need the heart. We need the arms. We need all of us. And we are a part of a body. And so when we say, I do what I want to do, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, we've just put ourselves on an island and we're by ourselves and that's just not how God made us and that is not what scripture is teaching us Paul uses the powerful metaphor of us being made as a body and we all have a part to play and every part is necessary and no part is unnecessary you and I need to think about thoughts and have them become shaped by God's way of thinking and that's the point of picking that one out and going a little deeper. If you find yourself saying, oh, I don't like what you're saying, Fitz. I understand, but listen carefully to me. Self must be surrendered to God speaking to us through scripture. And there's another problem with autonomous self. Everything changes all the time. I mean, what I think is okay today, I might not think it's okay tomorrow. Because if I am at Command Central and I'm not being informed by God directing me with God's truth, then then everything's moving around all the time and there just is nothing that we can depend on. It's a sneaky, pervasive, widespread idea that knowingly or unknowingly, many of us have been affected by it. So I, I want you to accept the challenge of, of saying, I'm gonna have my thoughts come into line with how God teaches us to think about things because here's, here's what our thoughts should be saying. Not I wanna do what I wanna do, when I, whenever I want to do it because as long as I don't hurt anybody, that's not what we do. That's not biblical. What biblical is is take my thoughts and use them to help me understand what God wants me to go do. And God loves us. And God built us for a great purpose. Remember in 2 Timothy 17, so all of this scripture is going to help us do the good that God wants us to do, that God wants us to do. We didn't breathe life into ourselves. We didn't give ourselves any of what we have. It's all a gift from God, and we've been given the responsibility of using it for God's purposes, not for self-purposes. Here's what happens. Sooner or later, benignly at first, when self is at command central, what happens is this. We end up hurting people. Relational vandalism. That's what happens. And, but when we turn ourselves over and say, God, help me to think differently, help me to use my time differently, help me to think about my relationships from your perspective, then the th next thing you know, we have re reparation and forgiveness and the, the, the good fun of being great friends with people whose lives are centered not around self, but around our shared relationship with Jesus. So that's a, that's a pretty substantial challenge to ask you to think about what you think about. Now comes the real challenge. You ready? This is what I want you to do. I want you to make a promise with me that you're going to read through the Bible in one year, beginning today. That's what I want you to do. I have four or five or six different ways that you can do that. That's why I wanted you to bring a pen and a pad. I'm going to right now show you my Bible folder on my desktop of my iPad. The first one I want you to notice is 
Oh, it went away. You see the red icon with the red B on top of a, see the red icon with the red B on top of a white banner? That's called Bible in a Year. It's free, costs you nothing. You can experiment with that one. Go to the top of my line here. You see the second one over from the right, Bible Gateway. If you go into Bible Gateway and you go into the drop-down menu, I know you can do this because you can do Instagram and you can do TikTok and you can do Facebook. You can navigate the website of Bible Gateway and you click on the menu and drop it down. It will say reading plans and you click in that and there's a bunch of reading plans to take you through the Bible, the New Testament in the year, the whole Bible in the year, whatever. Go in there right now. Write it down, Bible Gateway. There's another really, really fantastic one. It's this third one right here underneath my finger. How am I doing? It says Bible on there. No, it says Holy Bible. Oops. It says Holy Bible. Can we see it? It's called version. Go to the App Store. U, Y-O-U version. That is totally, all of this is free. And version is really cool because in addition to reading plans, you can set up with groups and you can see what other people do and you can talk to each other about it. I saw this morning that Danielle Mackey is in day 267 of 365 reading through the Bible in a year, and I saw it on, on uh, version. Hi, Danielle. I had one more. I had one more to tell you about. It's called Bible, where is it? It's called Bible Project. I opened the website for you. I'm not gonna do that, sorry. Bible Project, let me show you that, what it looks like. See it down at the bottom? It's the second one over on the very bottom row, BibleProject.com. Right now, download it. Go to the App Store, go to the website. Unbelievable stuff. In fact, when you go to version, the very first reading plan they send you to is Bible Project at the top of their menu. And this is the challenge. The challenge is to have your thoughts, your money, your time, your relationships, your habits saturated with the truth that comes only from knowing God and we can only know about God by encountering him in his words. That saturates yourself. Here's what you have to give. We have to give it. I have to give it. Great effort. You have to give great effort. Don't tell me you can't do it. You can do this. There are all kinds of tools to help you understand what you're reading. You can pick around in translations until you find one that works well for you. But I want you to make the promise that you will commit yourself to reading this Bible and read it and read it and read it and then you're studying more and then you're inwardly digesting more and then you're beginning to apply. You have to finish your reading by saying, well, how does this impact me right now today? What difference does this make in my life? What did I learn about me or what did I learn about God? I want you to go to the websites or the apps, download them, and I want you to start. Today is the third day of week 33 of this year, Friday, January 1, and this past Friday was the beginning of week 33 of this year. I'm reading now for the second year in a row, all the way through the Bible in one year. This morning I read 2 Chronicles chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, and I read Psalm 72. It's amazing how Psalm 72 connected with 2 Chronicles chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. It's just like God speaking to me, saying this is the way it is in life. And then I found myself surrendering all of the challenges of my life because if it's good enough for King Solomon, it's good enough for me. 
praying to God, giving thanks for how God has worked so masterfully. Carrie, Kathy said signs and wonders in the history of our church in the last three years with the move and with all this phenomenal talent giving itself to the challenges and the projects and the work and all in great alignment. So th this is our story, but it's a scripture story. It's immersion in the spirit of God through scripture. That's what we're all about here. Take the challenge, read the Bible through, it, 15 or 20 minutes a day, I promise you can do it, but here's what I guess. I guess you're gonna be clawing to find more time because you go, wait a minute, what's, I wanna know more about that, and you'll dig around and get a little bit more into it. I'll help you. You can text me, you can chat right now on Facebook if you're a Facebook member, whatever you wanna do. I'll help you, we'll get help. I may not be the only one who can help you. In fact, I'm not even close to the only one who can help you, but we'll get you some help. I tried to go slow enough to let you see all those websites and apps I'll repeat them if you contact me privately. Kathy will, will happily let you know what we said here in this, and you can go back and look at the recording of it if you want to do it that way. What a great thing to be able to do this. Even though the storm didn't come, we can still communicate with each other and have this time of being together in your homes, with your Bibles, with your pen, with your pad, taking notes and making a commitment to immerse yourself in the presence of God through scripture, and then learning how to do that with other people who are also followers of Jesus. This is the great and high calling. It's, the, it's a substantial challenge. Give great effort. I promise you, your life will be transformed, and you'll be a person whose habits and money and time and relationships and thoughts become more and more like the person that Jesus built you to be. I'm gonna pray for us all. Gracious God, we thank you that you don't leave us hanging out there in storms. In fact, you are like concrete poured down over the top of rebar in the walls of a blockhouse. And so when it comes, as we immerse ourselves in your presence through Scripture, the next thing you know, we make it. But it's not just in times of storm, it's in everyday life. And we need you, and we cannot do it on our own. We try to do it on our own. We may not even have known that we were functioning as autonomous selves. We may not have even known that we'd somehow decided that we were sovereign and decisions were up to us to make. And yes, of course, you use our mind. You've given us the ability to decide. But what you want to do, what you want to do is transform us from the inside out by changing us by your God-breathed words so that our thoughts and our lives become directed by you so that we can go and be the good men and women that you made us, and we can do the good that you want us to do in the world, a world that so desperately needs to know that you love them. Thank you, gracious God, for the challenge of reading through Scripture, reading all of it and reading it every year and reading through it in a year, starting today. No need to try to catch up. Just start. Give us the will to give great effort. Thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we're going to sign off now. Great to see you. Great to see each other. Have a great day. It's probably not going to rain very much. <laughs>